Hello, you guys, and welcome to the Daily Slay Show, where we come together to slay your life. I'm Jamie King, aka The Slay Coach, and I am a mom of three with anxiety and ADHD who's built a multi-seven-figure business without a college degree. I'm here to slay in the trenches with you. I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to help you fix yourself. Now, I am on a mission to document progress, not perfection, and to share the messy in between in hopes to help you make your mess your message. Now, I can't promise that every day will be a win, but I can promise that the only way for you to lose is to quit. So if you can commit to yourself, I promise to commit to you here. Let's do this and let's slay 2023. Hello, Slay family. I am so excited to have an amazing guest here with me today. There's going to be a little backstory behind this, but if you are listening and you're in the middle of a pivot or a transition in life, this episode is for you. My friend and acquaintance and one of my mom's former clients, former professional football player, all around amazing human Eric Wood is on the podcast today. Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. I'm also a big fan of yours, big fan of your mom. I feel like I might have met your daughter even before I ever met you. So uh, (laughs) it's kind of funny how everything comes full circle in life. So full circle. And just watching your transition, I remember when you were nominated, was it for the Man of the Year Award, the Walter Payton? Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what year it was, but that's when I really started to get to know and follow your story because my mom had so many NFL playing clients and so many football players. My mom, backstory, I'm a mom, if you haven't listened before, she uh, was a former massage therapist for UofL sports and had a lot of baseball, football (laughs) clients. And she had some favorites and Eric happened to be one of them. And I am... So excited to have you here to talk about your journey because watching you in the league and seeing you just shine there at the Bills. And could you just tell a little bit of backstory about your NFL career um, and how it was inspired um, this next chapter that you're in now? Yeah, so a little bit of backstory on me. We met in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. And as a junior in high school, I would have never envisioned I would have played professional football, been a first round draft pick. Heck, I didn't even envision getting a college scholarship. I only got one. I wasn't even a starter on my high school football team as a junior. So a little bit of a late bloomer. I also played on a really good program. So um, I'm not saying I should have been a starter. We had really good players on our team. And so I got one scholarship offer to the University of Louisville, ended up starting 49 straight games there. And ended up being a first round draft pick to the Buffalo Bills. And and I say that a little on the back end because I truly appreciated the opportunity to be in the NFL. And mm-hmm. I appreciated every second of it. And when the Bills made me a first round draft pick, I wanted them to get a return on their investment, a great return on their investment. And so I played nine years for the Buffalo Bills. And before my ninth season, I received a contract extension. And the Bills are finally... Well, I'll say this. We were in the longest playoff drought in all of professional sports. And so (laughs) we struggled heavily throughout my time with the Bills. But we had just uh, got Coach McDermott in, who's now he's still the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Brandon being the GM, we have new ownership and everything's looking positive for the Bills. And I signed a contract extension before what would be my last season. I was the only player on the team to play every single snap that season. 
and we break the playoff drought. I mean, everything is great. Uh, we lose in the first round of the playoffs, which was kind of a win-win, which I hate to talk about it like that because I'm so yeah. competitive, but <laughs> we were either going to advance to the playoffs or I was going to get to see the birth of my son, who was yeah. our second child. And my wife was already in Louisville uh, prepping to get ready to give birth to Garrett. And so we lose and it's just customary in the NFL. Everyone has to get an exit physical before you leave town. And so I was no different, even though I never even missed a snap that season. They said, hey, you had these stingers, which is a burning sensation that comes from nerves in your neck. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it was down my right arm. And so, hey, let's get an MRI on your neck and then you can leave town and we'll just call you with the results. Well, I find out three days later in the delivery room when my son's about to be born that my career is over. Oh my gosh. See, I, have a, I, yeah. I had no idea. I thought it was an injury. I knew it was a neck thing. Um, Cause I remember reading the news, my mom, you know, everybody in Louisville's talking like Eric Woods hurt or Eric Woods retiring. And I'm like, what? He just killed it this year. And I was like, he's at the top of his game. And I was so like out of the loops. So this is like, wow. Hearing this, like the full version of it, the full picture is like, that had to have been a, oh my God, what do you do? Yeah, it was. And I wasn't prepped for it. I had just signed a contract extension. So it wasn't like I was prepared for this next chapter of my life. And I used to joke that, you know, I'll be a stay-at-home dad when I'm done playing. And maybe if I would have played for 15 years in the NFL, I would have had the peace with being a stay-at-home dad. I still don't think so. That's just not quite how I'm wired. And my wife could tell you the exact same thing. But that put me quickly on a on a transition in a journey to figure out what's next for me in my life. And, you know, I was surrounded by you know, incredible support from my wife and great friends. And I have a foundation of my faith. So I had a lot of support, but also I was just lost for the first time in so many years. I didn't wake up each day and say, okay, what can I do today to be the best center in the NFL? Now, of course, you know, there's, there's other priorities in my life. And if you would have ever asked me, I would have told you, you know, life's about faith, family, then football. And you say that, but until football, until your identity, something you've wrapped your entire identity identity around for so long is taken from you, then then it's just kind of lip service. It's not it's not necessarily real. And so I realized quickly how much of my identity was wrapped in my career, how much I really enjoyed the affirmation of everybody being a football player when that's taken away. OK, now what am I going to do next? And not to necessarily receive the approval or the affirmation from others, but that will be fulfilling for me that I can live in this next chapter of life and feel fulfilled by it, feel like I'm going to have a more successful next chapter of life. And whether that means more money or not, that's besides the fact, Mm -hmm. just, I, I never want to live my life like those that say, man, my high school days were the best years of my life or those days playing football were the glory days. Like to me, that's no way to live. Like each and every year, we always talk, me and my wife, like that was, I truly feel like the best year of our lives, more fulfilling, uh, more things to be excited about down the road. And so figuring that all out was quite the journey. Yeah. And it's been really inspiring to watch um, the What's Next podcast and how, what's next with Eric Wood, how it's grown. And as someone who you've, I I have a picture and I don't know if we're going to do video clips of this, but like, I'll go ahead and pull it up. I just showed Eric pre-show. Um, this was me and Eric, we were both much larger. I think at I just had my son and, um, you were, gosh, what year was that? I don't even remember what year that was. So 
2014, maybe. Yeah. Somewhere around then. Somewhere around there. And like you were just killing it in the NFL. And I had just left my corporate career and my identity was wrapped up in the fact that I had become successful at that point, that level of success that I had reached in my life was climbing the corporate ladder and my little chip on my shoulder. I call it my Aaron Rodgers chip (laughs) or my, my, I didn't know that you didn't get a, um, I love a good like underdog story. I didn't know that you only got one scholarship offer or you weren't even a starter. Like that's, I, I love stories and I love a good underdog story. And I love people that make it because they decide that they're going to be what they want to be or become what they want to become, regardless of what their current situation looks like. And they just hold the faith and keep the faith. And faith is such a big part of my practice and business. But at that point in my career, I had just left a pretty successful corporate career that I had climbed without a college degree because I was 19. Um, when I got pregnant with my oldest, whom you've met, and I was 20 when I had her and college, I was a beauty school dropout, college dropout at that point. And then I go to corporate America and I find this avenue to like, okay, well, I'm really good at business and, and networking and I'm good at leadership. So I worked my way up the corporate ladder and I was managing call centers. I had at one point, I think 500 people reporting to me, 22 supervisors, two operations managers. And I was traveling every other week that I didn't have my daughter. And I was 24 years old, 25 years old, managing that many people who are a lot older than me. Right. And um, I had a lot of responsibility, but then I got married. My my husband had my son who wasn't with me part-time. My daughter um, from a previous relationship was only with me half the time. And so I would only travel on the times that she wasn't with me. And then when I had my son, I had my first day back from maternity leave, 12 weeks postpartum. And this is before everything was like mama, baby friendly. There were no nursing rooms and airports. <laughs> then <laughs> it was like trying to figure out how do I carry my breast pump everywhere? And like, how do I get this milk back to Kentucky from Raleigh? Cause I was flying to my call center and I was speaking in front of 500 people trying to figure out how to pump in between session breaks. And I'm like, this is insane. And I called my husband. I was like, do you think we could make it work with just your income for a little bit? I cannot leave my baby behind like this all the time. This is too much trying to be a breastfeeding mom. And I know we talked a little bit before about like the pivot and and a lot of stay-at-home moms will get value out of this story and your book, which we're going to talk about in a second. But I really had no idea what my identity was. I put in a a two weeks notice and they're like, give us a month, give us two months, give us three months. And at month three, I was like, guys, I'm gone. (laughs) And I finally got brave enough to walk away. But then I sunk into depression. Hmm. And I had never been a depressed person. Um, I was an athlete. Uh, I played basketball and um, always connected with other athletes just based on their work ethic or faith or values. And I, you know, get a lot of my, you know, foundational success. I came from being in sports and being with other people that had working towards a like-minded goal. And then I was depressed, stay-at-home mom, no identity. I was like, I had been an athlete and then I had been... career driven or scoliosis and then career, what do I do next? So I had this big question mark and that's what I wanted to talk about today was the book and the podcast too, because I've been listening and and love the interviews that you've had on there. But really when I saw you post that book, I was like, oh, this is huge. Like I want more people to know about this. And so can you talk a little bit about the inspiration behind the identity shift and tackle what's next? 
Yeah. So for me, as I navigated that next chapter outside of my pro football career and how I was going to transition, I I was meeting with a lot of people, just trying to get advice, trying to find other people that had successfully transitioned in life, whether that was a pastor or a CEO or a mom or another professional athlete, no matter who it was, hey, what were some things that you used to fuel your next chapter of life? Because I saw all these people as just crushing it in this next chapter of their life. And so I started a podcast called What's Next with Eric Wood, and it's pivoted a little bit. And early on, it was a lot of sports guests. Those were my connections and country music artists. And now there's a lot of performance coaches. And we still mix in the athlete interviews and coaches and whatnot, because that's a majority of my network. Mm -hmm. But I just got really drawn to these personal developments personal development principles that I was not fully aware of. You know, when you're playing professional sports, you don't have a ton of time to dig into personal development reading. And, you know, I might listen to a podcast here or there uh, or an inspirational YouTube video, but to really do a deep dive into personal development, I, I would have told you I didn't have the time. Maybe, maybe I did yeah. maybe I just didn't prioritize it. All that being said, through all these uh, interviews and conversations I had on my podcast and the people that I was learning from in my life, as I talked to people, there were so many people outside of just professional sports that felt the connection to it, that felt the need for this. And we were talking before this started. I almost feel like just based upon the population that the most feedback I get are from moms just like yourself who worked and found their identity and then became a mother or was a stay-at-home mom. And then all of a sudden I'm an empty nester. Okay, well, my entire identity was wrapped in my kids And that's where you see these divorce rates get really strong when the kids leave the house because the mother has their identity wrapped around it. So what do you do when you transition into that next chapter? What are some steps that I can take? I like I like a plan. I like you to just tell me how this works and then I'll get it done. Most of the material in the book is not my own. It is supplemented by my own experiences, but it is uh, honoring a lot of people in my life, guests who many will know from national spotlights, but it was taking those lessons and starting with, you know, examining your gifts and your core values and creating a vision. So you're not just wandering aimlessly into this next chapter. It's creating a routine because for so many of us that are transitioning from a a job that consumed our lives, the, the routine was built for you. Okay. Well, now you have your own schedule. How do you build a routine that sets you up for success? And then it works all the way to the end where it's talking about just stacking wins each and every day, that 1% better mentality, and then controlling what you can control. And, you know, and there's so, you know, being an athlete yourself, you know, that there's only so much you can control on a basketball court, on a football field, but you can always control your preparation. Mm -hmm. And so being prepared for those moments in life with the steps that lead up to that in the book, I just feel are so beneficial to anybody out there. And that's what I like about the book is it really is outlined really well. And um, and this is your first book, right? It is. I was shocked because it looked like, because I, I have a lot of best-selling author friends and we're working on our first book right now. But I've been working with a lot. I've hired a lot of author coaches and book coaches. And to, I know a lot of people whose first books aren't really as good as this book is. And so I wanted to just like high five, commend you on that because it really is outlined simply in a way that's digestible for people and actionable, which I think if you're taking the time to either listen to an audible book or sit down and read a book now, our attention spans are shorter. It has to really 
flowed well. So it's not one of those books that you're going to put down. Is what I'm saying. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <clears throat> and I had a lot of people pour into me. I mean, John Gordon, you know, 10 time bestselling author has become yep. a friend. And so he connected me with Wiley and Sons, a top five publishing company on my own. I never would have had that, but through connections, through friendship, he helps me with the publishing company. And, you know, there were so many people that poured into that book that allowed it what I feel like is a success. And, and I'm like you, I understand short attention spans. When I open up a book, I don't want it to just look like words on a page. There, there better be highlighted quotes. There better be different sections. There better be subtitles because if I look and the next chapter is 20 pages away and there's not one single break in the action, all I think is, well, I can't get to the next break in the action right now. So I'm just going to put it down. So we make it very manageable where you know, you can go in three or four page chunks get your tidbit, go on with your day, or you can try and knock it all out. And it's it's a lot to sit down and write a book. I mean, we we have been working, I mean, I've been working on this book concept that has pivoted because I started it and it went one direction. Then it's like, no, wait, I don't want it to go in that direction. We're going to go this way with it. Just kind of like how your podcast grows and changes over time. Our podcast grows and changes all the time. Um, we're actually releasing a new podcast that has a different angle and spin on things. But this is like something that I think is such a relatable and and I wanted to have you on here because it wasn't just for athletes. And I could tell the vision of where you were going and where your message is going as a brand, as an, an educator, as an, an author now, as a dad, as a man of faith. And that has just been like super, super, super inspiring to watch. So if I could ask you a few questions. Well, real quick, real quick and- on your deal right there. When you're talking about, and we pivoted to a new, you know, kind of theme of the book. So many people are just afraid to get started because they don't have it entirely figured out. If you yeah. if you feel that way, you're never going to get going in anything in life because the more you become educated on something, the further away from the absolute top expert you're always going to feel. You're never going to feel worthy enough to say, okay, this book is finally finished. I had this I'll say imposter syndrome throughout the process. Who am I to write a book? And then once you've read the book about five times, which you never read a book like five times in a row anyways, or else you probably would think it stinks. But I read the book like five times through the editing process. And then I'm reading the audio book. All that being said, by the time I was ready to release it, I felt like it stunk. You know, I'm like, but but it's your story. There's no cliffhangers because you know how everything shakes out anyways. (laughs) And I reached out to a few people and I said, have you ever felt that way before? And they're like, yes. Every time I've released a book and these are people that have had a lot of success as an author. And they said, every time you're getting ready to release it, it just never feels finished. Like that's generally why you write a second because you learn throughout the process and you can make the next one better or what you feel like is better. But I'll tell you, just getting started in the first place on anything, whether it's a podcast or a book or a new career or a hobby, you know, if you say, I can't go to the gym because I'm not in shape, well, then you'll never get in shape. Yep. And that's funny that you said that this is going to have me segue into kind of what I was telling you about earlier. I just started coaching volleyball which terrifies me. I was a basketball player who quit volleyball. Even though I liked it more, I was better at basketball. Basketball was my sport. I had more time in it. My dad was a basketball coach. I grew up with a basketball in my crib. So like, it was kind of like my dad got recruited to play for Clem Haskins and then quit. And then like, 
I was like basketball my whole life. And but it's Kentucky. Loved, like that's what's ingrained. Kentucky, in. right? Yeah. And, but I, and I was tall and like, even though now we're like the Mecca of girls volleyball. We are. And that's what I, and I wish more people knew that. They're like, what? Girls volleyball? So my daughter is an elite, like club level volleyball player at Mid America. Shout out to Mava. Um, and we, I've been in the sport with her now deeply as a parent on that side. And, you know, as an athlete, especially if you've played a sport, sitting on the bench is real hard <laughs> or sitting in the sidelines and watching is real right. hard. And it's like, man, I just want to be a part of something cool like that. Like, this. This is cool. But I had this company, right? And I had 20, at one point we had 20 people working for us. And then the pandemic happened and I wanted to be more a part of my daughter's life, not just as a spectator, but how can I get out there and get my hands dirty and be a part of this with her? Cause I only got a few years left. So I'm ahead of you in the parent game a little bit. I have a, she'll be 16 in two months. So wow. almost 16 year old. And now I'm like, Oh man, talk about empty nester with her. I mean, I still got the two little ones, but she's going to be gone soon. And so I'm looking at the clock ticking and I'm like, I don't have a lot of time, but I had this massive imposter syndrome. Like, well, I quit playing volleyball before there were even liberos. So if you've never watched volleyball before, it's basically a volleyball player. It's a defensive specialist in the back row that has special things they can do that other players can't do (laughs) in layman's terms. And they wear a special jersey. If you wonder why somebody else has a different color jersey on their little barrel. And I'm like, we didn't even have a libero. That wasn't even a, in created until 2002. I quit playing in 2000, 2001. And I was like, I don't even know the game like that. My IQ is so low. Like, how could I coach? And when I approached Mava about my interest in coaching, they were like, well, we could put you with the younger kids. And I'm like, that's great. My IQ is up to par with like 10 year olds. Let's do it. <laughs> and then last week when I showed up, they're like, you're with the 14 um, coaches. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no, not me. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, well, think we'd be a really good balance because of your motivational speaking. And like with teenage girls, that's the mindset, the kind of the mindset drama starts to go in there. And I think you'd be a really good mix with these young girls that are starting to get really good at volleyball. And I was like, oh God, how could I do this? But here we are. I'm in week two. And I feel like I fit in now. I had no idea what I was doing. I was terrified. And I'm someone who walks into the room like I own the place. I feel like I can usually figure things out. But here was a different avenue, something totally foreign to me, not in my normal wheelhouse of comfort. And I was terrified, like absolutely terrified. I put it off for three years. Wow. Three years. Imagine where my volleyball IQ would be if I hadn't... put it off, but I'm having the time of my life. Tonight is the the night where we officially select our team. It's the last night of tryouts. And I'm like, I'm really having the time of my life. And I've never felt this fulfilled in career and personal. This is my new personal hobby side thing. And like, if people would just say, what do I have to lose? I guess if you right. could give one piece of advice for someone who wants to do the thing or pivot or take a new direction, and they're not, what would you say? Well, kind of relating it to your story, I'll say this. One, no growth happens in a comfort zone. So if you just sit in your little comfortable bubble, you're never going to grow and you're never going to hit that next level of success or fulfillment or whatever you're searching for. Um, And I would also say, like, I'm sure you had butterflies going into that situation, nervous, whatever you want to call it. Probably the first time you ever spoke on stage oh, yeah. as well. 
Well, those end up being the moments you look back towards, and those are your most fulfilling. Those are the things that you're proud of yourself about. And I call them butterfly moments. I had Ed Milet on my podcast, and I'm not trying to name drop him. I have a lot of respect for him, but he came on my podcast and he recommended that to me. He goes, hey, in this first part of your transition out of ball, find things that give you butterflies and just go after them. And you might not ever want to do it again. You might not ever want to speak on a stage again after you do it. You might not want to ever go play in a golf tournament with whatever it may be. Those are things I like to do. So those are easy for me to say out loud. And so no one could call me out and say, why don't you go do those more? But go find those moments that give you butterflies and go step into them. Lead a workout class. Go go lead a cycling class and put yourself out there. And you know what? You're not going to regret it afterwards. And those are often going to be the moments you look back on and you're most proud of yourself about. And those are the moments that are going to give you a lot of fulfillment. I love that. Chasing, but chasing the butterflies. I feel like that should be a shirt, a logo, chase, chase the butterflies or something. Good job, Ed. I love it. Um, But like that is, I never even thought about it that way. If you go towards the thing that makes you the most nervous, that's actually what will generate, I think the most fulfillment, the most joy, if you've leaned into not just the fear, but like the nauseous fear, like the weird, like, you know, this could be cool, but you have no idea what you're doing. Like if you just put yourself in those situations of, I have no, you had no idea what you were doing in writing a book. Like you had never, like, I don't, what was your like undergrad in, or what was your degree in? I was a political science major. I came to university. Not writing, not literature. (laughs) Not at all. I came to the university of Louisville kind of wanting to be an engineer, but really I grew up on the West side of Cincinnati in a very blue collar area where people just think the only people with money are doctors, lawyers, engineers, or someone who inherited money. You know, nowadays I would tell someone, go learn a trade or go get in sales if you don't inherit money or can't be a pro athlete or whatever it may be. You know, it's like, go get in sales. So you're working to make yourself some money and not somebody else. Yep. Funny. All that being said, Um, I was in the weight room one day and Bobby Petrino walked in and Bobby was the type of coach where like, if he's beelining towards you, you just assume something's wrong. I know I didn't do anything stupid. So I was like, okay, what's about to happen here? And I was working my tail off. So there was nothing like egregious that he was going to be able to bring up. He said, Eric, do you want to be an engineer or a football player? Now, granted, this is before, this is right when I get to campus, I have one scholarship offer and I said, a football player. And he said, all right, go change your major. So I walked in there. My grandpa was a judge. I looked up to him a lot. And so I said, I don't, I don't know. Is there like a law degree? And they said, political science kind of is. I said, cool. I'll do political science. (laughs) That's amazing. My, my husband is actually a speed school dropout convert. He changed um, to accounting. He was like, you know, I got in a couple semesters and I was like, this ain't for me. (laughs) And he thought, that was the thing. And then uh, my mom, um, I don't know if you know my mom's story. She was really inspiring to me because she went back and got her degree undergrad in exercise science at, I don't know, she was, this was 15 years ago. So she was late forties, early fifties and decided to go back to school, quit, took the buyout at Ford and went back to school. And then she got her bachelor's in exercise science. And then she got her associate's degree in medical massage therapy, as you know, but like, just pivoting at that age, at any age, either empty nesters or maybe you're needing a career change. I mean, yours was, I feel like taken from you (laughs) too soon, (laughs) but God always has a plan and there's always a rhyme and a reason for that. And if there is maybe a stay-at-home mom message, because 
I know your wife is an amazing human and you all have the most adorable children and they are how old now? Seven? They're seven and four. Seven and four. I knew we were one. I think we're one year off of each or yeah, I have eight and five and you have seven and four. And if you could give a message out there to the stay at home moms that are not sure what they want to do next, like how do they even find something that's separate from their mother identity or parent identity? Yeah. Let me, let me go uh, in one direction and then I'll answer that. So for anyone out there that's looking to maybe find some fulfillment in whatever they're doing now or saying like, I want to continue to be the best version of myself, but you know, I'm, I'm a stay at home mom or, and and I say that, like, I think that's the hardest job there is out there. Trust me. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I work a nine to five every day. How can I possibly have time to go to the gym and start this new routine and all this personal development work? How do I get that started? I want to encourage you to do one thing. Find your core values, find a vision for yourself, find something or find like maybe some characteristics that you want to become a great dad, a great husband, a great mother, wife. Um, I want to be a servant in my community and start tracking your wins each night. And so I had Jason Selk on my podcast, one of the top performance coaches, and he talks about that confidence is the number one indicator for success in life. Well, how do you develop confidence? Well, a lot of us are really good at destroying confidence because at the end of the night, we're so good at finding that one thing we screwed up on and we ignore all the great things we did that day. Or didn't get to on your to-do list. That's a big thing for moms. I didn't get that done. You're exactly right. And so you forget about all those things that you did so great throughout the day, you know, providing for children, um, you're, you're taking them to school, you're pouring life lessons into them, you're helping them with their homework, all of that you ignore. And then you think about that one time that day you lost your temper. And yeah. so write down three things every night that were a win. And that, that's that 1% daily improvement that I always talk about. And people always say, you know, I, I'm not great at math. I was a speed school dropout as well. I didn't attend a class, but I was also a speed school <laughs> Right. And so that being said, 1% better daily is not 365% better, which would be 3.65% yeah. better at the end of the year. It's actually 37 times better at the end of the year because of compounding interest. You're getting 1% better than that 1% better daily version yeah. of your I love that. I've never used the math thing and I'm married to an accountant. That's I've never put that math together. That's really good. So it's actually 37 times better, not 3.6 times better. It's amazing how that works. And so just charting those wins and recognizing those wins in your life can help you find that fulfillment before you're at that next stage fully. And then for those moms out there, those stay-at-home moms, those moms that are transitioning from a career into being a stay-at-home mom, whatever that pivot or transition is for you, examine your core values. What's most important to you? And 20 years from now, what are you not going to violate? Who do you want to become? And try and just live to that daily. Ignore some carrot out there in the sky that I have to be the number one coach out there, and I'm going to have 40 women under me, and I'm going to start you know, I'm going to have a over a hundred thousand Instagram followers, like ignore that and just focus on stacking wins each day that are in line with your values and the contentment and the fulfillment you'll live with will probably supersede that 
uh, that obtain that thing you want to obtain so bad that even once you get it is not going to give you the fulfillment. You'll be looking at that next stage that won't satisfy you either. It's just a living to your values each and every day, keeping the promises that you make to yourself. And then that life of contentment and fulfillment will come. Yep. I agree with that. And, and, and I can and- only say, I can only say that because I've seen both sides of it. Yep. I've and- seen, I've seen a transition point where, everyone's telling me all these things I need to get into and I'm trying them all. And none of it was in line with exactly what I wanted to do. Right. And that's what I wish more people knew. And it's easy to say from one side of the success path or like once you've quote unquote hit your goal or made it and people might say, well, it's easy for you all to say that you've hit certain goals or achieved certain things. But if I could like, and if I could like shake certain people sometimes, my biggest thing is that like, I hit all these income goals, I hit all these revenue goals and all these income goals. And I was featured in Forbes and and had all these like bucket list things like, oh, I want to be in Forbes, check. I want to be in this, check. And I'm sure when you are in the NFL, you're like, I want a Walter Payton award, or I want to be nominated, or I want to, I want to make the Pro Bowl, or I want to do this, or I'm going to do that. And check, check, check. How did it feel after you check those boxes? There's always something else you want. Like as soon as you obtain anything, it's one, the comparison game. You find someone else that's had a better career than you. And now you have to go chase that career. There's there's always something else out there. And it's amazing. Like as you see, there's so many people that would be, look at you, Jamie, and say, if I only I had her money or her family. Or her followers or... Exactly. I'm like, no. (laughs) But then you could sit in your shoes and say, well, what if I had this? Or what if I had this? Like, there's always that next level of something. I remember um, a couple years ago, I was doing a broadcast for the Bills, and the owners of the Bills got their brand new mega yacht. They had sold their previous mega yacht. They had their brand new one delivered to Jacksonville. So the night before the game, we did a little staff party on the boat. And I realized in that moment, there are different levels to everything. Everything. I mean, there's dream boats that some people have on the lake, and those were inside of this boat. You know, it's like there's always different levels of things. So if you can't find contentment where you're at, then then no matter if you hit that next stage of wealth, success, followers, whatever it may be, you're you're not going to be content there either. You're not. And that's thank God for the pandemic. I say this all the time. And if you've listened to my podcast for a while, you've heard the story about how I pivoted my business model. We dropped 50% of our revenue streams, which was a lot of my private coaching and consulting. I I got rid of it in pandemic because all of a sudden I was forced to homeschool three children um, and and locked in a house with my kids where I was used to running a business from home with no one there (laughs) because we had an office in our house. And I was like, I work from home and I'm sure you're probably in your house right now. Like, I was with kids and kids. Sorry. You guys are great. Dads are amazing. Shout out to all the amazing, like just present fathers in the world. There's something about a mama's love that like they just want. And if mom's in the house, it's like, they can smell me. (laughs) It's like, I want mom. I don't want dad. And, and so I found this weird moment of like, I can't do this. It's not worth the money. And we walked away from half of our revenue as the company shut it down right then and there because being with my kids was more important, but I had this big, oh God, what does this mean about me? What does this mean about my future or my business or my status? And as what I do in my industry as being the best. And like, 
what I can tell you is there is no amount of success that can replace family or time with your kids while they are little. And I will tear up again thinking about it, like talking about it, because it's just like I had hit all these goals and they didn't make me happier like I thought they were going to. And as someone who came from a blue collar family, um, you, you think that on the other side of where you came from, once you get that next level, then I saw the yachts and then I saw the super yachts because I was just in Miami on a, on a yacht as well. And then parked next to it was an even bigger yacht. <laughs> and like, it just doesn't. And, and when we moved out here, because you know where I, I grew up and where I lived, you've been to the house that I grew up in. And that's where I came from. And just the house that I, we just had and just moved out of, because I think we're, we're building and buying house hunting now. But it, we went from that to another house and then moved up to the Highlands. And then we moved up to Norton Commons. And if you're in Louisville, you know the neighborhoods. And then we had a movie theater in our basement. And it was like, I wasn't happier. Right. I wasn't more fulfilled. I, I wanted more time with my kids. So if, if anyone's listening, they're like, oh, I want that next thing. Want it, but enjoy the journey more. Yes. That's 100% of it. You have to yeah. enjoy the journey. You have to enjoy the process. Because, you know, to relate it to NFL football, only 3% of what you see on TV is our week. Like 97% right. of what happens in the NFL is all preparation. If you don't enjoy that, you're never going to enjoy a second of pro football. Mm-hmm. And then half the time, if you're, you know, if you're lucky, 70% of the time you win the game. And then, okay, if that's your only fulfillment you feel all throughout the week, and that's only 16 times a year. You're gonna live. You're gonna just gonna live in constant yearning for something to give you fulfillment. If you're not enjoying that day to day process, that day to day journey. Because if you could give me a statistic that you might not know off the top of your head, but I'm sure you can guess, how many NFL players actually become like pro bowlers? I'm not sure. I would say three to five percent, but I could be dead wrong there. <laughs> but how many of those three to five percent? or the ones that aren't in the three to 5%, or say even it's 10%, which I know it's not, but like, say it's even bigger than that. How many of the rest of those NFL players still go on to have thriving 10 year long careers, probably at least five years, three years in the league where they get to make a difference, be a part of something. And that matters. And if we don't recognize that the rest of society and that it's valuable and stop, I think what you're doing and how you're helping people pivot is just, huge and so needed in this world. And it's a message that is not articulated enough, but I have one more final big. Now this is where we get real. It's a real question. Okay. You ready? What's it like? I think a lot of people that follow me, follow me because of my journey from the blue collar working class to where I am now. And I didn't know that about your backstory today. And I think I didn't plan on asking you this question today. But if you could give anyone some piece of advice, if you're trying to either climb a financial ladder or a career path, or you're trying to come up from humble beginnings, what's a piece of advice you could give someone that came from where you come from in any background, not just sports or whether you're, it's, you're trying to make it in your career or whatever, what's that piece of advice for that person? My piece of advice would be, to go out and chase your dreams and go all in and, and enjoy the ride, enjoy that daily grind of trying to make it. I'll, I'll say this. I, I grew up in a household where my parents fought about money constantly. 
That's just one less thing me and my wife don't have to fight about. Now, we have plenty of other adversity that we face in our relationship and life, but money and paying the bills is not one of them. And, and I'll say this, money amplifies who you are as a person. If you are generous, you could be more generous. We like experiences. We like trips and we get to take them. And it's so much fun. And it's fulfilling to me uh, to be able to take my kids to Disney World twice a year. And everyone thinks we're so stupid for wasting money. And I'm like, look, we love it. Or, <laughs> we went twice this year. Wait, too. wait, let me rephrase that. They love it. Not we love <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I, I enjoy it sometimes. That being said, it can also amplify you the opposite direction. If you're stingy, if you're negative, if you have drug problems, alcohol problems, it can fully amplify the other things too. Mm-hmm. Work on yourself along the journey and you will be fulfilled no along the way. And then when you have money, you will be fulfilled as well. And you'll be prepared to make an impact with that. We try to be extremely generous. Our family motto is based upon Proverbs eleven twenty five, which says a generous person will prosper and he who refreshes others will be refreshed. Yeah, so yeah. To, to, I don't want to say to dumb it down, to simplify it for our kids every day, I tell them, look, I, I want you to get good grades. I want you to try hard in school, but I, I really want you to go there and spread joy. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I don't tell this them this, but like, they're going to be financially set, whether they're doctors or lawyers or get into sales, like I would recommend or mm-hmm. something along those lines. But I want them to be absolute joy spreaders, like everywhere they go. I want them to be extremely generous with their time, talent, and treasure. Mm-hmm. And when you go from a blue collar family where everybody is consumed with how are we going to pay our bills <clears throat> and we have to work constantly. It's just tough to have that mindset at times. Mm-hmm. But I think you are such a beacon of like what is possible, especially after hearing the, I had no idea that you didn't get a ton of, I just assumed that everyone that makes it to the NFL had a ton of prospects out straight out of high school or that were the starting lineup starters. Cause I know a lot of athletes think that, Oh, if I'm not in this, now that I won't make it later. And that's to see what you've built is incredible. I'll say this. It's amazing how few blue chip recruits become a first round draft pick. Like they should be, they have the genetics that got them every scholarship offer in the country, but sometimes they came a little too easy for them and they're not willing to put the work in. And and if you are from humble beginnings, understand this, what calloused you and made you tough and made you get to the point where you're now in a position to go out and chase your dreams, that will likely put you in a better position than those that were spoon fed. We used to tell, we used to talk about in the NFL all the time. If we drafted a guy that had a family business to fall back on, he was probably going to quit at some point. It was going to get too hard for him. And he had, he had a fallback plan. When you don't have a fallback plan, it can make you dangerous in whatever field you're in. Yep. I agree. And and I'm just, you've been so generous here with your time and your smile lights up a room. I say, I just like to go to Eric Wood's Instagram feed just to see that $10,000 smile. I mean, that killer what, like your joy. It was more expensive than that. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're, you just radiate joy and, and your message is so important. And where can they find you next? We're going to drop links to also side note, we're going to drop, I'm going to drop links to my favorite values quiz because Eric brought up a really important topic. Everyone should be reevaluating their values and identifying them, whether you're in business or not. Like it's super important. We're going to link that. Where else can they find you and how can they find the book? 
Yeah, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at ewood 70 I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Instagram, the easiest to reach me because I can see all messages. I can't see them all on all the other platforms. And then the book's for sale on Amazon. If you buy it and you leave a review, I truly appreciate it. That helps out along this journey. But I can't thank you enough for having me on. I, I appreciate the platform you have. I appreciate you using your story to impact so many lives out there. You impact our lives every day just by being you. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, Eric is a huge inspiration to me. Please go check out his book and I will link it in the show notes. Go listen to his podcast, What's Next with Eric Wood. I love you guys and I will slay you again later. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You guys, please remember to go download all the new episodes all at once. And once you have done that, fill out the form in the link in our show notes, and we are going to send you a little sleigh goodie bag. That's right, for free. The first 100 people to leave a review and download all these episodes is going to get a pop socket and a little gift from me, a little surprise. I can't tell you what it is yet. Shipped to you, everyone in the United States that does this, we are shipping it out for free. So I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And if you feel called and want an extra entry into a giveaway for a hundred dollar gift card, please tag us on social media and you can tag me at the Slay Coach and Jamie Jocelyn King and the Slay School. Either one will enter you into an hundred dollar Amazon gift card and we appreciate you so much for listening and I will slay you again later.